Hey, family, thank you for tuning into Our Roots Podcast with Joseph Babaifa, brought to you by Botanica Candles and More, where only the strongest roots see the light. And if you haven't had the opportunity, please hit that subscribe button, tap on that like button, comment and share this video. Today's episode is Ifa and its views on prison. The gentleman that is on the podcast today, um, is a really esteemed guest. This gentleman has had a huge influential role in my life, has known me since I was born, and has quite a story to tell. Um, please welcome me in joining Mr. Emilio Maldonado. Emilio, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I really want to go back to the beginning, right? And um, really kind of help people understand why you're able to touch on this topic right so my, my first question is you know how long were you incarcerated for well, over a decade about since 2009 all the way to january 2022 okay and what state were you uh serving this time uh, state of florida okay what camps um did you visit <laughs> i took what they call the grand tour oh <laughs> Yeah, uh, started off in Avon Park. Um, from Avon, I went to DeSoto. From DeSoto, I believe I went to Sumner. From Sumner, I went to FSP. From FSP, I went to Holmes. From Holmes CI, I went back to <laughs> to uh, FSP. What does FSP stand for? Forgive Florida me. State Prison. Oh, so that's actually a unit? Like, that's a place? It's yeah, that's um, more like a controlled environment. Okay. Yeah, it's like a CM, controlled management. Okay. You do uh, three, six months to a year. That's usually uh, like security threat inmates. They have a small part on the side that takes care of the main prison. But uh, from FSP, thank God, um, I got uh, my work release. Nice. Yeah. And uh, that was the end of my tour. <laughs> the grand tour. The grand tour. Well, it's interesting because I, I distinctly remember that uh, that name Holmes because I remember you in the store. And, uh, you know, the gentleman that came in, you know, he was like, oh, it was a Holmes. And you were like, oh, I was at Holmes too. He was like, oh, my God. You know, it's yeah. like, it has quite a reputation. So definitely you experienced various um, properties of that life, right? Yeah. yeah, definitely. So what we're really trying to do is bring – Ifa and prison together. And what I mean by that is, what is Ifa's viewpoint on it? How does Ifa feel about it? Um, and then apart from that, you having the opportunity to really talk about what goes on um, in these institutions, right? So my first question is, did you see Ifa in prison? When I say Ifa, I mean the spirituality in any of its manifestations. Well, yes, because I knew how to identify Ifa in general. But out in the open, no. It's, I, would, I don't want to use the word persecution, but um, it's definitely clandestine. It's definitely, like, under the dark. You know? It's not to the face. No, at all. So how would you guys recognize each other? Uh, we knew. We 
we knew who was who. We basically, we had, like, our, for example, the Coyales, the Echolis, we would carry them inside our hands. Okay, so you wouldn't actually be wear, able to wear them out like that. No, you were not allowed to wear them out in population because you would be accused of gang activity. Even uh, though, you know, it was, it could have been possibly a spiritual practice, they really didn't give the opportunity for explanation? No, not at all, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, you was, uh, if you put on the Coyales and you walked around and they had the wrong colors on them, you were labeled, you were basically a security threat, and you're going to you're going to get the same treatment. Just from a necklace? Just from a necklace. A religious necklace at that. Yeah. So I would imagine in an environment like that, things are more understood than explained, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, based on what you were able to observe from the people that you could deduce were involved, you know, what percentage of the population is interested in Ifa or trying to practice Ifa or actually practicing it? It's a very high percentage. Really? Yes. Everybody has uh, some sort of ifa of what what's possible to practice, what we can practice, how can we practice. So everyone kind of comes together and puts together their makeshift thronos or, you know, try to see what your family can send in to see if I can get a pair of beads. And wow. we all try to piece it together. So fraternity. To, like yeah. You were really trying to help each other towards that goal. Oh, definitely. Of elevation. Yeah. Yes, yes. Wow. Yes. Most people wouldn't expect that from prisoners, well, you know? I mean, it's all you got. Yeah. It's all you got. So it's like growth in numbers. If we come together and we don't shy from what we are and what we're doing, then maybe we can grow and be able to have more participation on the compound and have a room in the chapel to where we can, you know, do our prayers and that and that sort. So we have to come together and try to gather and help people grow and elevate. Therefore, we can make the end goal and try to get some room in that chapel. <laughs> wow, just, just to have that space to be able to express yourself. You oh, know. Yeah. Well, you know, in that environment, um, you know, it, it's somewhat military i would imagine not having ever been there but you're kind of stripped of your identity that's the first thing they do you know they try to make you a number they try to make you part of a, a group they try to classify you i guess if i'm correct absolutely you know how how often would you actually come in contact with initiated people like bawalaos santeros paleros did you ever encounter any of those kind of people in there i believe in my whole sentence um i ran into two bawalaos really yeah that that was a rarity. I didn't see too many Baba Laws in prison. Maybe they're doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, avoiding avoiding the incarceration. But it's really interesting, this whole dynamic, because a lot of people like to ignore that incarceration actually has a huge part to do with our entry into this country. Um, you know, originally when Cuban people brought Ifa over into this country, you're talking about, like, 40s to 60s mm -hmm. and where they first went was new york you know places like the bronx places like uh, washington heights which was very cuban and it was under normal context because you know the revolution hadn't really happened you know people really didn't have to like you know find a way out right but when we get to the the scarface era right yeah. the cowboy era um and when the mariel boat lift happened where fidel really emptied um the jails over there 
a lot of the people that were incarcerated were babalaos. They were abacuas. They were paleros. Um, because this religion, when it arrived in Cuba, you know, we came over as kings and we survived as slaves and left as prisoner, right? Yeah. Because of the oppression that we experienced. So you would have um, really educated, really, you know, and these are people that may have not ever finished a third grade educa education, mm -hmm. you know, um, that were in this situation and still were amazing practitioners of Ifa, but they were prisoners, right? And it was actually a huge reason why Ifa came over in that influx in the 80s um, and arrived in Miami. And, you know, a large part of it going back to the Bronx again. But um, you really can't separate either of them. And I don't think it's a reflection of us. I think it's a reflection of oppression. So what you're saying really resonates. Um, in the Odu, or in Odu, or a sign of Iwari Wofung, uh, there's a pataki that speaks about prison, and prison reform, and, you know, how successful is it actually in helping men better themselves or people? There was a, there was a person, um, and I'm going to get your input on this now. I'm going to ask you whether you, you know, believe this after... Um, saying this story the guy's name was Iwari Wafung um at least in the mythology of the mythology of it all he was a plant you know it was known as the uh, the Bukabuya or the Aroma Amarilla and this guy based on conditions that were placed upon him he ended up you know getting into some activity that ultimately led to him being incarcerated the guy when he got to prison actually got better at his craft Right. He intensified. He realized that he had to become even more vicious to the point where him coming in as a nobody, he ended up becoming a leader of a group in there. You know, and his group was all in. He was a leader. People were down for him. Like it was just this is our guy. You know, he, he, he is the epitome of what we need, you mm -hmm. know, to lead this group. And the gentleman began a relationship from inside prison with a woman. You know, something he had never really experienced before. And, uh, you know, he fell in love with her and she said, you know, I think I might have a way for you to get out of here, but, you know, you got to go. Hmm. So when he goes back to his, you know, group, yeah. he says, hey, I fell in love and I got to go. And they were like, nah, that ain't happening. Nah, you're not going nowhere. <laughs> Where they actually tried to assault him and he was able to escape by way of his lover's, uh, you know, assistance. And, you know, he conveyed to her, he's like, you know, prison didn't make me better. You made me better. You gave me that horizon. You gave me the the hope that I could not just be, a, you know, an inmate, right? So I guess Ifa says in this Odu, prison doesn't necessarily reform anyone. How do you, would, would you say the same thing? How do you feel about that? Does prison help? Uh, absolutely not. People okay. reform. Prison doesn't reform. Oh, wow. You have to be willing to reform. Powerful. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the in prison... Prison teach prisoners, inmates, you know what I'm saying? Us. You can, they can say they have all the, um, all the programs, but we're teaching them. We're teaching our own fellow peers certificates. We're signing the certificates. Wow. None of it is real. The class gets set up for a month. Everybody gets a certificate. Everybody graduates. Next thing you know, <laughs> class is shut down. New funding. There's no reform. It's all a smoke and pony show. It's all mirrors. So you're saying that the prison, the prisoners, the inmates, forgive me, the inmates are doing more for reforming other inmates than the actual system in the state. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. yeah. 
That's impactful. We'll go out of your way. We'll go out of our way if we see someone come in, a young, a young buck. He's coming in, and we feel like, man, he's a little green. He's are they gonna eat him alive in here, man? We're gonna take advantage of him. First quarter, we're gonna pull him to the side. Hey, man, you know, you gotta stay away from this, stay away from that. You need to do this and do that. We see what he does. He wants to play around. He wants to go do other stuff. Okay, then you know what? He doesn't want to listen. You ain't going to waste too much time. Correct. But if that individual comes back the next day and is like, hey, man, you know, I stayed away from this. I did that. You know, okay, check it out. Well, you need to do this, man. And you start helping that person get right. You know what I'm saying? If they're willing to get right. But that's what goes back to what you asked. Does prison reform? Does the entity, the business of prison reform? No, it does not. Yeah. It does not. It's a business. It's for profit. Yes, sir. So it, it's really interesting you mentioned that because you look at what we've been able to discuss and, you know, meeting a bunch of guys who've been able to get their lives back together. You look at the conditions that are placed and you compare it with other countries. Um, you know, I was looking at a prison in Sweden. You know, these guys get an iPad. These guys are able to sit down in a safe environment with uh, emotional professionals, therapists, et cetera, really identify what was the pathology that got them there. So. Are there any real options? Like, I mean, I, I, I know you're not getting an iPad. Well, we do. We did towards in the beginning when I when I fell, we had nothing but a digital radio and some canteen, and you oh. can get magazines, you know, depending on if it was cleared. Now towards the end, we got this little player that was extremely expensive, over two dollars a song. All the songs were censored. All the books were damn near censored. Nothing really for good. And then we got a big tablet that you can do your emails and pictures on. Oh, correct. But we couldn't get our educational program that it was intended for put on the tablet. It wasn't working. So all the educational purpose for what you could have really gotten out of this system, it was blocked at the time. Yeah. I don't know if it's running now, but it's it's really, it, there's this, this, there's no growth in there except yourself. Yeah. And they put blockades and walls and, I mean, 101 obstacles before you can actually get what you need. You know, I, I think it's incredible because I've met so many, you know, incredible men, really, you know, by way of you or, you know, clients, um, even godchildren, you know, that have gone through that process. And, you know, I, I look at them and I said, good Lord, you know, if we would have gotten you at a certain time, even within our fraternity and practice, like what an amazing Bawalao um, that yeah. would have made. What an amazing Olorisha. Just give them something to focus on. And Orumila saw this. You know, in the Odu Okanayekun was where Orumila needed men um, to become Bawalao. And it was slim pickings on the outside because, you know, Ifa is a trade like everything. You know, when people have everything, they usually don't want to do anything, you know. It's human nature. It takes a certain type of DNA to be able to be like, I got the world, but I'm still going to go for more. So Romila was like, I got to start looking into, you know, alternative sourcing, you know, for my priesthood because I need men. So the one place that was left was prison. And he went into prison and he interacted with a bunch of different guys, you know, and he realized like, these are really intelligent men. You know, you got people who are doing life, people who have elongated sentences, people that are getting out tomorrow, a little bit of everything. And he told them, he said, you know, I need people in this priesthood. Um, I can get you out, 
but at that point, I need you to like really start learning this. And they're like, bro, we'll do whatever we got to do to get out of here. You want us to learn the Moyuba, we'll do it. You want us to sacrifice some, we'll do it. That's not a question. And Oromila took them out and he made them very prestigious men. And, um, you know, to be frank with you, that's why, you know, old, the old guys would be like, no one arrives to Ifa without dirt under their fingernails. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has a past, whether, you know, it led to incarceration or not. Everybody has things that they regret. And um, Rumila sees past that because you have to see past the past because it, it really isn't there. It's in your mind. It's what builds you. It's what shapes you. Yes, sir. So, you know, what was the caliber of intelligence you were interacting in there? Like, did you meet really, like, really actually refined people regardless of what they had done? Oh, man. Uh, you run into everything in prison. Wow. Everything. Doctors, lawyers. Really? Doctors, physicians? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Around the time I fell, 0809, they were really cracking down on the doctors doing all the prescriptions and stuff. Oh, God, yeah, the so insurance and the we pharmacy. A, we had a huge influx of, uh, you know, professionals coming through. And uh, that actually benefited us because that allowed us to learn from their learnings, you know what I'm saying, and their teachings. And that was like, those were like the teachers for us when we wanted to go to school and stuff. Because it was always inmates teaching inmates. So wow. those guys would be the ones that would get picked, you know. Because when you go, when you, when you first go to prison, you go through like a big reception center. This is where they break you down. This is where they take your identity. They shave your hair. They strip you naked. Yes, sir. They totally, you know, take demoralize your morality. You. Yeah, totally demoralize you. Put you in a room. In a little cell with your with your stuff, you know everybody has the same color on, same haircut, same bald head, and uh, but you take an assessment test. So right there, they already know your IQ. So they know whether you're going to be a laborer, you're going to be a teacher. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, what's your skills? What have you done before? They they put you into a pool, and by that pool, by that weekend, they know where they're sending you, by where they need you. Are you just going to be a laborer or? Are you going to help us teach the population? Wow. It's very concentration campus. Oh, man, it's serious. I didn't know there was that filtration process. Huge. Yeah. You know, incredible. You know, in the Odu of Ogunda Meji, um, it's interesting you mentioned the physicians and whatnot, because in the Odu of Ogunda Meji was actually where the Babalawos um, went to prison, right? Because they they weren't upholding the uh, qualities that, Olodumare wanted them to, right? But it's interesting because you look at that Odu, Olodumare, even though, of course, the law is the law, right? Um, he was more focused on their conduct, their morality. You know, in that Odu, he kind of identified, you know, I'm the one that judges you because I created you, you know? Whatever you do from a social standpoint, as long as it's not too heinous in that regard, you know, there's a way to come back. But, you know, after hearing what you just mentioned, the demoralization and stripping of identity, it's very, I mean, some people, I mean, the DNA you have to have to be able to overcome that and not lose yourself and become institutionalized. That's epic, you know? And I would imagine guys break right there. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember my day. I'm walking through, and uh, there's two guys in front of me, and I see um, an officer. Boom. Hits the guy in the stomach. He falls to the ground. Wow. I hear him say, okay, okay. Next. Boom. Another one, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> it's the line. I'm next, yeah, oh. what's going on? So I get up there, and guess what? Guess why everybody was getting hit? He asked me, 
black, white, Hispanic. Oh, no. I said, Hispanic. He said, you sure? The last guy got hit in the stomach for not saying that he's white. Wow. And I said, Hispanic. And you already know how that went. Yeah. They brought me back around again. Same question. Wow. Three times I took abuse to take what is mine. You know, I am Hispanic, and I want that on my card. Yeah. I want my card to read white. That's how they adjust the populations in prison. Wow. Yeah, they make everyone, if you're fair-colored skin, you can look it up. Look it up on a DOC website. Look up everybody you know. I bet you look up Spanish names, whatever. Their tag says white. Does not say Hispanic. That always was interesting. I didn't. I don't understand how you know said stereotypical name. You know, said like our last name Fernandez. I I just you know I, I get the white thing, but you know I just it never made sense. They're manipulating the numbers. Wow. Yeah. Is there financial reasoning for that? Is there just social reasoning for that? What well, what benefit is there to that? They don't want to show the disparity. They don't want to show. Oh. So the they, true numbers. So they want to say you know I guess. Maybe there are more races represented in prison. They want to make sure that it's even. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's like their their way of like quantitative easing. Okay, every four or five non-whites are going to get white, so our numbers are evened out. Wow. Yeah. You know, how? so you said that you were people were able to practice to a certain degree inside. How were they kind of manifesting? I, I remember you just said thronos. I would imagine you're referring to like altars. Mm-hmm. And stuff that they were setting up. I mean, what were some of the other things you see besides the beads in the pocket and the thronos? And how difficult was it to actually be able to even do that, you know, that, that minimal amount? Well, it was very difficult because uh, Botanica would basically have to, like, fill out an application to be able to participate, as far as literature goes, with the prison itself or Department of Corrections. That's one. Uh, number two, the store would be, have to be registered as religious, but they only they only recognize number 96, which is Santa Maria, that they don't have IFA. We're number 96 on the list? Yeah. That's the, that's the designated number. I don't know if it's the list, but oh, I know okay. it's number 96. Oh, wow. So even to get that out of them was was terrible for me. They wouldn't even let me switch out of my religion. Yeah. They wouldn't let me... I had to fill out a form to change my religious designation. And when I did, when I put, you know, Ifa, number 96, slash Santeria, they called me to the chapel. And the chaplain's like, hey, what is this? And I was like, that's my religion. He goes, oh, are you sure, you know? And I said, yes, I'm positive. Okay. Sends me back. I had to wait another six months before it actually went into the computer. So that just goes to show you the obstacles that they put in your place for you to be able to have your religious belief and be able to follow it. Now, forms of practicing, we would have our makeshift thronos underneath our beds. You know, it would be, you know, the most we can do. Some cups. Uh, If we were lucky, we'd have some stickers to put on the cups. Uh, sometimes we uh, get some bowls, offer some food, whatever offerings we can offer, we would offer. And, you know, that's about to the extent. And um, as far as prayers together, whenever some guys can come over to the dorm, which is, you know, permitted, uh, you know, it's to the point where 
if you don't have an officer that's old school enough that understands what's going on or that's worked in the southern region, you're not going to be able to practice out in the open. How much pushback? I mean, you just mentioned the discrimination and racism that you experienced. How much oppression and pushback were you getting from COs and people that worked there with this specific practice? Like, how were they reacting to it when they saw it? Oh, they were terrified. They, they was like, uh, even if they was coming to do a shakedown or something, they were like, hey, 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 get that witchcraft. Get, get all that stuff out. I don't want to touch this. Or their joke about it. Or they'll walk by and they'll point at it, you know, with other officers. Like, they don't want nothing to do with it. In their mind, it's just witchcraft, voodoo, it's this, it's that. So. And this was from every demographic of officer, per yes, se? Yes, yes. Just every, across the line? Yeah, this is, there was no, it, it didn't matter. It was just frowned upon. Wow. Now, how would that manifest? I mean, you know, did it ever... In, from what you saw, like, was there destruction of property? Was there, like, you know, forceful removal? You know, did anybody's throne get taken down or anything like that? Yeah, on a daily basis. Really? So these gentlemen procured cups, you know, waiting months for stickers, putting it to the extreme of under their bed. Mm -hmm. They were still being mistreated. They were still being oppressed. Yeah, because basically they would say that your, your area is not in Class A, being that it's not inspection ready. Because the warden walks around and inspects the dorms every morning. So they would use that as the excuse. Oh, your area wasn't in Class A. Well, why'd you throw my stuff all around? Because, mind you, you're not in the area while they're inspecting. You have to go to the yard, mandatory yard, unless you're a houseman or whatnot. But they'll just come around, throw all your stuff. You come back, you see your cup over here, your things over there, and you're like, hey, well, hey what's going on here? You know, what's up? That was my throne. That was my religious thing. Oh, I didn't know what it was. It wasn't Class A. You wasn't ready for inspection. And you're getting a CC about it. They destroyed your religious property, and you're getting a corrective behavior slip. Oh, that's what it is, a CC's corrective action? Yeah. So you're getting punished for you're this. You're getting punished for this, too. Uh, yeah. Wow. You get three of those, you get a DR. Which is? Disciplinary report on your record. You get you get DR. All this is just, just damaging reports on your record to prevent you from... Yeah, they don't have parole, but, you know, your visitation, your... Uh, education, I would imagine, education, too. Education, all that. All that just is counter. Oh, you had, a, you had a CC, you can't go to the store. So all that just starts building up, and the next thing you know, you know, you're getting shipped out, you know, negative transfer. And I remember you being inside, um, how difficult it was to attend um, to you and to, you know, other clients that I have that are inside. Luckily, we're able to perform at board at a distance, but, you know, just... The way that I would have to maneuver the consult to be able to close it was I'd have to literally think like an inmate. I'm like, what is available? What is this gentleman actually going to be able to do, you know, et cetera? And it was extremely tedious. And these are very nonviolent. These are very pacifist things. But just the idea that a DR or a CC or any of these things could happen just from you trying to spiritually align yourself, possibly in a way to get you out of there, mm -hmm. you know, was punishable or was going to make your life inconvenient. I don't think... I mean, we're, we're talking about that kind of treatment is as heinous as some of the worst things that have happened in history. I mean, you look at, you know, the oppression against Jewish people, Christian people, you know, everybody here has had their plight and this is still going on in a state run institution. Yeah, it's actually worse. I'm giving you the PG version. Yeah, of course. We appreciate that for our viewers. You know, every now and again, we have a young a young person trying to learn about Ifa. And, yes. you know, I think this conversation for anybody that really wants to progress within Ifa um, you know, the law is the law. 
right? Yes. And I think, um, unfortunately, there's a depiction. We spoke about this the other evening, how it's it's being glorified. You know, yeah. there's 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 young people out there who are saying, I want to go to prison. You know, <laughs> I want to, I want to, you know, it's almost a badge of honor, unfortunately, because there's such a lack of guidance. So, you know, I mean, for it's anybody ridiculous. that wants to progress in anything apart from IFA, it's, it's really not the way to go because there is no real progress there from what you've been able to explain. Absolutely. There's nothing but uh, it's dark. It's uh, it's just a bad rainy day, man. It ain't no sunshine. Uh, it's, you have your days, but it's it's just no growth. It's just stalemate. It's just Stagnant. Time. You're just passing time. Rumila said this, and, um, you know, that's why he said, you know, in the Odu Okanayekun, just like various other Odus, to be in prison is to, you know, to a certain degree be dead. Yeah. Because there is no life, there is no light to a certain degree because you're surrounded by these conditions, you know. Um, so literature would have to come through, I remember when we would try to send you books and things like that, it'd have to come through a publisher or something like that. Yeah, it only goes through like the, the little publishers and some online retailers that already went through the procedure to get approved. And as far as anything else, the store itself would have to get approved. So huge checks and balances process just to be able to get a decent book. Leaps you know? and bounds. And then it gets lost in transition. You go through all the you go through all the proper procedures and you do what you need to do. Then when you go to follow up, oh we're still working on that. It gets lost in the mailroom yeah. somewhere. All the time. All the time. All the time. Did you ever experience, I mean, I'm not sure if you were declared um from a social standpoint in there as being a practitioner or not, but was there ever any friction from other spiritual groups in the institution? Because, you know, I mean, you see every time, it's like you said, you see everything in there, right? You might have a Muslim population, Christian population, you know. Did you ever have any of those conflicts or see any of those conflicts between, you know, Ifa and other spiritual groups? Only in one institution I experienced um, friction, and it was because at Sumner Correctional Institution, we was actually able to have a small closet space, you know, that we was actually able to congregate and do our prayers and have a little time slot in their busy schedule. Wow. But uh, it was all it was all a sham because every day that it was our day to go in there and practice, they someone I, I can't say which group was giving us friction but they was writing witchcraft on the door then they would always change our slot saying that oh this service you know spilled over into your time slot so we're going to reschedule for next week and then next week it was the same story again so then we're just like hey man what's up you're going to give us the time or not just keep you know just let us know yeah, so don't, we can don't. go back to doing what we got to do you know and that was the only friction i experienced but other than that, I mean, everywhere else, everybody kind of minds their business. I mean, it's your best part to mind your business, you know what I'm saying? It's just interesting because you look at Ifa and um, whether it was the slave trade, the diaspora, um, it really is ignorance that has built these walls between us and other groups, whether it's spiritual, social, etc. And the interesting aspect of it is I don't think that impression has been mostly given by the practitioners. I think it's being given by a third party or somebody else's interpretation. So seeing that we're even going through this in said institutions, um, 
I'm I'm surprised as a human being because you think like 20, what is it, 2022, you know, we're modern, we're educated. And with this climate, um, you see that we're really everything but sometimes, you know, and it, it takes conditions as extreme as that to really come to see that it turns its ugly head on you, you know. So, you know, one thing, because I've attended people that have been incarcerated by way of their family, et cetera, um, the idea and they've told me like in, in a way that's almost dreamlike of IFA professionals and spiritual professionals being to go in and attend to these men. Oh man. It would be, it would be to me, it would be beautiful. Men and women. Yeah. To me, it would be beautiful because we're, we're, we're kind of lost in transition. You get what I'm saying? We, 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 we want to go to church. We want to participate, but yet you feel alienated. Because you know this is not this this ain't this ain't our way. You know what I'm saying? So to be able to practice in the environment, it'd be great because we we get to do what everybody else gets to do. We get to have the chapel. We get to you know sing our songs. You know we get to have our meals. We get to watch our movies on our religion. So you get to channel your energy in a positive light. Take a couple of hours out and build the right way, and not not losing any time or good behavior over it you know what i'm saying so yeah i think it'd be a beautiful thing to have the mentality of being reprimanded for you know practicing spirituality is just it's very heinous in that regard because when you think you're in those conditions and there's so much stress from all aspects of life inside and outside that one thing god you know (laughs) is basically being your baby you're basically being put against god your god you know your expression of it and um how do you think that benefits the establishment, you know, keeping gentlemen, ladies in a anti-spiritual space, you know, what benefit comes from that? Cause you can only think frustration is going to come for that. What benefit could come to them from that? Well, they feel like they already have, like they feel like they have their, their situation set up. So they feel like, okay, well, we already know how this group behaves and this group behaves and that group behaves. And they already know how to deal with this situation. They already have their chapel set up for this. So they feel like, okay, hey, this is something we don't know nothing about. And what what they, you know, the stereotypes, what they do know about it is X, Y, Z. So they're feeling like introductory to this might cause, you know, a situation that they're not able to handle. Because they don't know. An uproar. Yeah, they fear the unknown. Correct. So... I believe that you know this is why that they, they make they make these obstacles because they're like oh, you know what if if it doesn't fit this image we, we you know push it to the side yeah so I mean being that it would be very like unheard of very you know pioneering what channels do you think would have to be gone through for one day possibly a Bawala or a Santero or anybody being able to go in there and attend to these people you know what would have to happen. Okay, well, well, number one, we have to identify the body. We have to identify who is willing to, you know, claim IFA. And then through them, they can put in an application to get the botanica to be able to start sending literature. And then once you're able to start sending literature, now you can file with the whole state of Florida to get um, to get cleared as a religious pastor to be able to go on 
and you know what I'm saying, like predique yeah, yeah. to the people. Predicate, be over yeah. there, be able to express. And that would be the process you would have to take. You would have to get, you yourself would have to get cleared to be allowed to go on to a site, an actual camp, and then we'd have to have a body there that's willing to receive you, obviously. Now, when you say body, you mean a, a congregation? Yes, yes, yes. Now, for that to actually occur, do you feel it would take, like, a huge cosign from, like, a politician or just simply because, you know, unfortunately, it's not what you know, it's who you know. We know what needs to happen, but, you know, who do we need to know to make this happen? Is it the warden? Is it, you know, a, a, a combination of people? Well, I mean, uh, outside help is always good, but you, you just got to get through to the warden. The warden is the, you know, he's the one that says yes or no, period, you know. So you either, you can go over the warden and apply to the state itself. That way you can enter any prison in the state of Florida, you know. But I think, it, to me, I would just start off with a state-to-state, camp-to-camp, and I'll go from there, identify you know, the guys that have registered as IFA and start, you know, getting to them. You know what I'm recognizing is because you mentioned the body. And um, it's like anything else. We need enough people to have the ability to declare themselves to be able mm -hmm. to be a force, yeah. you know, for to really sway. Because, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the powers that be, it's like you said, it does not convenience them to go against that quo because maybe said warden doesn't want to be that warden to sign off like, hey, I'm the first guy <laughs> yeah. to sign off on Santeria inside of a, a prison. Um, maybe they're out there, maybe they're not. But the one way to deal with that variable is, you know, force in numbers, strength mm -hmm. in numbers, you know. Um, so that's that's interesting to say the least. Um, is there any, I mean, you may, have, you may have answered this, is there any government funding allocated towards Santeria? Like, were you guys actually ever given... Apart from time, were you ever like, hey, here's a, you know, a stimuli to, hey, buy a cup, you know, a sticker? Absolutely not. Do other groups receive it uh, officially? From the churches that donate. Ah. So the uh, groups that do have their churches that do donate and come and visit them, yes, they, they have what's permissible to be received. So, yes, but not on an IFA standpoint, never have I received anything. Could it be possibly that they're given that green light that they are a church? I'm, what I'm deducing is, you know, Christian. Mm -hmm. Is it is it because being that that's more, you know, acceptable, they're being given more, you know, of a streamline to be able to do those things? It's way easier for... Especially in the state of Florida, you know, some of these... I mean, when I would go to visit you, um, you know, these places are very different. You know, there's not... There's, there's a certain demographic there, and... Um, that's what's established. So, you know, I would imagine th this is all speculation, but it benefits both parties involved if they're facilitating that, correct? Yes, absolutely. But you got to you have to have one thing in mind. They look at everyone as an inmate. At the end of the day. Yeah. They, they they're going to treat you like an inmate. You're going to come in and you got to pass their metal detector. You're going to get, you know, patted down, wanted down. You know, for security purposes. Like You're talking about the people that are going in, the pastor yeah. or Bavalao, whoever. Oh, yes. Yes. They're gonna, they they put you right through the scrutiny, you know. You know, I, I, I'll never forget, you know, um, speaking to other people inside. They say, you know, we're doing time, but, you know, the CO is doing time too. You know, everybody, if you're in prison at the end of the day, you're doing time. Whether you work there and go home every day, whether you have to stay, whether you have to visit, um, it's, it's really that kind of experience like you've mentioned. 
Oh yeah, it's so dark and so weighty. Even the COs are going through it. They they get it. They're doing time just like us. They could be laughing at me for doing all my time, but you know what? I'm laughing right back because I know you're going through pain. I know what you're dealing with in here also. It ain't easy for neither side. Yeah. So in, in the Oduida de Ansa, um, it speaks of when Orumila went to prison, right? And whether he was innocent or not, we don't. it doesn't really stipulate that in the story, right? Everybody's innocent, right? Yeah. Um, so Orumila was in prison, and he was like, what do I do now? He had no way of practicing, right? So the same way, you know, our ancestors who came across the Atlantic were able to replace things and facilitate their spirituality, he did the same thing. And um, he actually had pet ants in the story. And I remember you would tell me, hey, you know, said gentleman has a pet this, a pet that, you know, anything to kind of give them that hope, you know yes, what I'm saying? Anything with life. <laughs> anything with life, you know what I'm saying? It's real. So... The ants, based on his generosity, he would offer them honey or whatever they were, whatever he was being fed, he would share it with the ants. He's like, you know, y'all are going through it just like me. You're in here. The same concept we were just talking about. And the ants looked at him and said, man, you're the first guy to be nice to us, yo. How, how can we help you? He's like, you wouldn't believe it. I need anything that I could perform at bowl with. Like, if you can get me like 16, like, rocks or circular objects to be able to do dafa. Or if you can get me like a tray, he took the tray that they were feeding the food on. He took a stick like to be able to bang the table, like a brush. Yeah. He basically invented, not invented, he replaced everything right there. And he was able to, with that, perform divination, his own sign of Ida Ansa came out ironically. And he performed sacrifice and he actually got let out. You know, and he always blessed the ants. That's why Ida Ansa says, put honey in the corners of your house because the ants want to bring you a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting, the parallels, knowing all the stories that we've shared. Do you feel that, because it's like you said, what you don't know, you fear, you mm -hmm. know, to some people. So do you feel that there's a resistance towards Ifa and Santeria entering prison because they're afraid it's actually going to work for the people inside, the effectiveness of it all? I definitely, uh, I definitely believe that. I definitely believe they just fear the fact, because I'll tell you what, They've had to give in, they have given in to other new religious beliefs, which ain't new, but to them it's new. Correct. And they've have strength and they've gotten what they wanted, you know, like they're, like they're losing the battle. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I would agree that they're afraid to open another door. Because the more doors that they're opening, the more, the more outlets, the more, the more control they lose. And that's really what it's all about is control. Not to cut you off, I recently um, interviewed Chief Sholaba de Popola. He's uh, the president of the International Council for the Ifa Religion. You know, a very prestigious man. And, you know, our regards to, you know, Baba and Abola and that whole camp. You know, thank you once again. Um, in our interview, um, Baba explained that Ifa, the census, was just done. You know, globally recently, I don't have the specifics, but Ifa came in at number six for global religion and spirituality. You know, we we not only cracked the top 10, mm -hmm. we made it to number six. And then apart from that, those are the people that, that actually declared themselves because, you know, there's still people that, <laughs> hey, man, I'm Catholic or I'm this or I'm that. You know, we're from Hialeah. <laughs> Everybody goes to church Friday morning and then at night the tambor's going on, or, you know, the rooster, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's just the demographic is growing, you know, and, and being that 
these these people are human beings. They're part of that demographic. And, you know, people want hope. People yeah. want to outlet. People want to believe, hey, this doesn't have to be me forever. You know, it doesn't even have to be me mentally forever. You know, for those that don't seemingly have a date where they're going to be released. You know, this philosophy has a way of, of nourishing them. And it's, it's very important that they're getting it, you know, because you want a healthier human being. Absolutely. You know, and, and it, it just makes more sense for everybody, you know. But um, one of my personal, I guess you could say a dream, you know, would be the idea of initiating someone in prison. Um, How epic would that be? Oh, man. That's all I ever thought of. I, I was just always brainstorming. I'm like, man, well, we could replace this with this and. Just how you were saying yeah. how he had the 16 stones. That's exactly how it is. He made it happen. That's Yeah, that's how you make it happen. You, you know, you spread the word. Hey, man, I'm looking for a plate or some terracotta or something. Hey, okay, bam. Well, I need this. And man, it'll appear. It will come. Somebody will have it somewhere in a locker, and it comes to you. You know, you get it, and you start building. So I think it would be, be beautiful, man. You know, I've spoken to some you know, corrections officers, clients, colleagues. And, you know, they, they say the biggest obstacle would be the animals, right? That seems to be the topic, you know, not only for, sanita for sanitary reasons, just the impact of, once again, not understanding, you know, a yeah. sacrificial process happening there. And, and mind you, we by no means are the only spirituality that conducts this, you know, whether it's our, our brothers in Islam or, you know, our brother rabbis in Judaism. This has been conducted since time immemorial. You know, but, um, you know, there are options, you know, even though it might not be within necessarily the Lukumi context. I mean, that would take a real panel of, you know, people that are initiated and really coming to a conclusion. You know, how can we not allow a barrier to interrupt these people from having their destiny revealed? Because that's really what it is. I remember you going through your stint and thinking, good Lord, man, I would just love to give him that. Mm -hmm. You know, why does this have to be an obstacle? Because, you know, when we're talking about spirituality, it goes through walls. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. why Why not? I mean, how do you feel initiation could positively affect those people in there, those those brothers and sisters inside? I think it'll give them another day. Anything that gives wow. you another day, anything that can give you another minute, a second, another breath, anything in a positive light is growth, is progress, any progress is a better day so i believe you know if we can provide that it gives them another day it gives them an eye opener a wake up a push to continue and fight this battle don't give up that's amazing you know in the odu of obet rupung just to kind of bring things full circle because this has been so wonderful in the odu of obet rupung was where Urmila arrived in a land where they were going to execute some people you know, the death penalty. Ifa's not a fan of this, um, you know, because that responsibility belongs to you know, the Most High, Olo um, You know, there are repercussions for actions, you know, but at the same time, depending, Ifa for the most part doesn't condone that, you know. Um, so when he got there, they were going to execute this group of people. And he said, you know, why are these people about to be executed? You know, and they were like, oh, you know, murderers, pimps, Everything you could think of, you know, and he was like, well, maybe I can reform them. Maybe I can help them. And he's like, why do they deserve another opportunity when they brought sadness to so many people? And Orumila said, well, what made them sad? 
what was that pathology that led to that action, you know? And mind you, they wanted to kill Orula too because, you know, he had such a reputation. And once again, he was going against the grain. He was like, yeah, sure. How many days you need? He said, well, to initiate them as Bawalawo, I need seven days, the way we do it. And they were like, you got seven days. And he went into the room. Now, mind you, when Orumila went in the room with these guys, he was like, whoa. Tremendo <laughs> grupo. <laughs> like, these guys were crema. And, you know, the first day, he's like, nope. Second day, he's like, third day, he's like, I'm dead. So he had a very honest conversation with these guys. He said, look, I just met you guys. I don't know why I did this. I just, I have this thing where I can't let that happen. I can't let abuse happen. Do you understand that if we don't get this done, we're all dead? And they were like, oh, we want to die. And he was like, because you don't understand what this philosophy could do for you. Exactly. You don't understand how you could elevate. You don't understand that your past doesn't have to influence your future. And those guys went to bed that night and they were like, good Lord, man. You know, if there is anything, you know, let's, let's, let's take it there so we can see what happens. And over the next four days, you know, something miraculous happened where when these guys came out the room, the hit squad was ready to go. They were ready to off all of them. And when the guy showed up, he said, I'm here for the criminals. And Orumila said, there are no criminals here. There's only studious men. And when the guy looked around, the guys were consulting. They were reading Ifa. They were talking Ifa. You know, they were, they were dignitarians at this point. Yeah. And he said, Orumila, you are miraculous. You're able to take people from the brink of death and take them to the climax of life, you know. And he said, these men are yours. You know, do as you wish. And ironically, when Orumila finished, they said, you know, teacher, what do we do now? What is there next to learn? And he said, now you guys are on your own. I'll always be with you by way of this philosophy. You have all the information you need. I've taught you everything I know. But now it's time for you to do the same for others. There you go. You know, give back. That's how it is. And that's why Obetumaco speaks of when Ifa initiated the bandoleros, right? The criminals, the, any of these things. And I tell you, you now going through the process and experiencing fun now on a level where you're able to interact, you know, how has it affected you? Wow. I'll tell you what, um, ever since we was going through the process, it's I felt the change, but I didn't quite feel like I do now. Uh, as, as I grow more, the clarity and understanding the way you bring it Cause I always, I've always told you, like, it's just the way that you bring it. I just understand it more, and it's more layman's term for me. Thank you. You know, I don't know, I can't speak for others, but for me, it totally gives me another look. And uh, man, I feel great. You know, there's days that are rough. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and I say, yeah, man, everything's beautiful. No, you know, there's 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 good days, there's bad days. But you know, on the bad days, I have my teachings to reflect on to be able to get over. Remember I told you, another day. That's all I need. I need one day yeah. to get through that bad day. So, you know, it, it gives me that other day to get up and try again and just, you know, keep on pushing. You know? What would you say to, you know, all those brothers and sisters that are still inside doing their time that are skeptical about Ifa and uh, the benefit it can have on their life? What would you say to them about that? I would tell them, you know, you know, just, they just need to hunker down. And and they're ready for the fight because we deal with a lot. We deal with a lot in there already. So, the fight is part of the game. So, you know, I I just gotta tell them, you know, just just hang in there. We're coming, basically. 
epic conversation. Epic. First time, <laughs> yes. you know, to be able to see Fa's views. You know, honestly, the fact that Orumila was really going through the same situations 5,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, life hasn't changed much, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think it's it's truly beautiful because you are a product of, you know, that growth. And mm -hmm. uh, it's only the beginning, you yeah. know? Um, uh, you know, what are some of the things you got going on, you know, that you'd like to mention right now? I know you, you got some uh, things. No, I mean, uh, since I got out, you know, I've, I've started a, a plentiful endeavors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go here, I go there, my mind's yeah. everywhere. But uh, I've been working, uh, you know, on the clothing line. Beautiful. What's the name? What's, uh, what's the establishment? It's us. Uh, Forever Legacy Designs is the company. It's me and my wife. Uh, we do everything. Shout out to Daya. Yeah. Shout out to D. The queen, man. You Listen. Know? These years would not have been possible without her. Nah, that's a queen, man. God bless my goddaughter, Daya. Yeah, she's um, my pillar. She is Ride my or die. Yeah. That's a whole other story. But word, word. You got to have that, that firm queen behind you, man. That's it. It's a must. Right, right next to you. Yeah. it's a, That's a must. But uh, back to the clothing line. Word. Uh, certified clothing. This is her clothing line. Um, Forever Legacy Design. We do party, personalization. We do pretty much anything you need when it comes to parties. And um, I'm also working on a Fave Logistics. It's a transportation company. You know, these are just a couple things. We're in the works. Beautiful. But uh, you know, it's moving slowly, but moving good. Hey, progress, you know. Absolutely. One day at a time, baby, another day. Another day. That's all it is. I want to thank you so much for coming. Uh, thank you for having me. I love you dearly. I love you more. Oh, man. You know, to see you out, to see all these positive things, to see how you can be our gateway, your gateway into that demographic for them seeing how positive Ifa can be on their life. It's truly divine, yeah. right? So for uh, for all of the people who, you know, watch this interview, thank you so much. A um, couple things that are going to be in that description. Um, you're definitely going to have a link um, to Emilio's page uh, to be able to take advantage of some of the services that he's offering. Some of the things that we have going on at the Botanica, whether it's our spiritual mentorship program, IFA classes, um, obviously products, merchandise, all of that is going to be there for you. Um, apart from thanking Emilio, I want to thank our production team for, you know, another fabulous um, episode. Um, more episodes coming very soon. Um, our Roots podcast, guys, where only the strongest roots see the light. With Joseph Babaifa, brought to you by Botanica Candles and more. And if you haven't had the opportunity, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button, share this video, like this video, comment on this video. And until next time, see the light. Thank you.